Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel account of Luke, Luke chapter 2, where we will be reading verses 1 through 20, but our text will be verses 8 through 20. This is probably a very familiar passage to many here, maybe at one point in time or another. You've even memorized it for, an, for one occasion or another. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1, reading through verse 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had, seen, had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters of Beacon Light, what has been your favorite moment of joy over the course of your lives? What has been your most favorite moment of joy. I want you to take a moment and picture it, imagine it. Maybe it's Christmas morning as a child and you're running to see the presents underneath the tree and then you eventually unwrap them, you open them with family later on, enjoying a meal together. Maybe it's your wedding day as you Wait in joyful anticipation, the excitement of seeing your spouse walk down the aisle, or you yourself are walking down the aisle to meet your spouse, and the day is filled with joy, laughter, love as you celebrate with family and friends. Maybe it's the birth of a child or a grandchild, 
when you get to hold this newly born little one in your arms, welcoming this new life into the world. There are so many wonderful moments of joy that we get to experience over the course of our lives. As we take a look at scripture, a look at our passage this morning, we see Luke remind us that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is and provides our greatest joy. With this theme in mind, let's turn to take a look at this familiar yet beautiful passage together. Turning to take a look at our passage, we see that Luke sets the scene for us. Having just given the birth narrative of Christ in verses 1 through 7, he now turns his attention to a most unsuspecting group. As Luke likes to do throughout his gospel account, bringing in the marginal, the fringes of society in that day and age. Namely, a humble group of shepherds. Take a look at verse 8 with me. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. We find this group of shepherds keeping faithful watch over their flocks this night. But their silent night of watching sheep is about to be filled with noise. Not the cry of a newborn baby, but by a message from on high, a message from the Lord brought by the hosts of heaven about a newborn's cry. We read in verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. A quiet, still night of watching their sheep is suddenly rent asunder. For the shepherds, as an angel of the Lord appears before them, while God's glory shines around them. It's not surprising that we see the shepherds react the way that they do. Oftentimes throughout Scripture, we see this kind of reaction to God's glory. Take, for example, Moses, when he meets the Lord for the first time at Mount Horeb in Exodus 3, verses 4 through 6. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Likewise, toward the end of Luke's gospel account, when Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection from the dead, we see their initial reaction. It's one of fright, one of fear. And likewise, John, at the beginning of Revelation, when he beholds Jesus, fell at his feet as though dead. And yet the shepherds, they're not left to wallow in this fear. There's good news to be told. There's good news to be heard. Good news to be proclaimed. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. But what is this news of great joy? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Taking a look at the culture of that day, we see that this kind of language that's been used before of a birth announcement. The birth of Augustus, as one person notes, was announced with a report of good news and the arrival of a Savior. And so Luke's remarks intend a similar declaration of this baby's greatness. This is why all people can be filled with joy. Jesus may be lying in an animal trough, but heaven is present at his birth. Not only that, but in that day, numerous people had been called saviors before. So what's different about this savior, savior with a big S? 
We find that in the other two titles that are used here. Who is Christ the Lord? Concerning the title of Christ, it means anointed one. And particularly points to his being the Messiah. The one God's people have looked for in joyful longing and expectation and hope. Who will save and deliver them. With the title of Lord, we see throughout the rest of Luke's gospel account, as well as the others, Matthew, Mark, and John, we see the authority of Christ, the power that he exercises. The shepherds already have a location of where the Savior has been born, and so the angel further tells them in verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But before the angel Before the shepherds leave, more angels appear. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We just sang the first part of this refrain in angels we have heard on high. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. We see going on here, as one person puts it, as if the announcement were not enough, the heavenly choir strikes up in praise to God, giving him honor for what is taking place. The angel's refrain serves as a commentary on the flow of events. Glory should be given to God in the most exalted of ways, while on earth one should see that this child means peace for those on whom his favor rests. In the next verse we read, that when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So the angels depart into heaven, and the shepherds take what was told them about where the Savior has been born and the sign given them, and they make their way to Bethlehem. But notice, they go with haste. They don't waste any time. They speed on steadily towards Bethlehem. And they find Mary, Joseph, and the baby. They find Jesus just as they had been told they would find him, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Here we are reminded that God is faithful to his word, as has been shown time and again throughout the course of Scripture, throughout the course of redemptive history. In verse 17 and 18, we see that this good news of great joy, it cannot be contained. That it is for all the people, just as the angel said, because we find there. And when they, the shepherds, saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds proceed to make this good news known to others. It's as one commentator puts it, the shepherds share their story with those present. They respond with obedience and cannot contain themselves from testifying to what God has done in making Jesus' presence evident to them. All the while, we are told of something else going on. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, this isn't the last time that we are told this of Mary's treasuring things in her heart, pondering these things. We see it later on in this chapter even, after the events of Jesus in the temple as a child. Here we have two responses highlighted by Luke amongst a variety of other potential responses. The immediate response of the shepherds and the faith-seeking understanding response of Mary, as one person puts it. 
We see Mary here pondering, trying to make sense and plumb the depths of all that she had experienced, as another describes it. After all of this, all of these events, we read in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying God, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds are not done praising God for this good news of great joys. We see them now heading back to their flocks, glorifying and praising him for all they had heard and seen. It's important to highlight that this glorifying and praising of God by the shepherds, the, the praising and glorifying that they're doing upon their return to their flocks, it's not just a one-time thing. The original language indicates a continuous nature to this glorifying and praising. They continually glorified and praised God. Here we see the shepherds following suit, just as the angels who appeared earlier praised and glorified God. We see the shepherds also take upon their lips praise and glorifying of God's name. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How is it that this truly is good news of great joy? How is it that Jesus Christ is and provides our greatest joy? In this announcement by the angel, just as we mentioned before concerning the sign that was given the shepherds, we see God's faithfulness to his word, to his promises shining through as the promise that he made so long ago, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3.15, we see it coming to bear, coming to fruition, that the promised seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent has come, Christ the Lord, who is begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, as we see the Nicene Creed put it, who is God come in the flesh, fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ is and provides our greatest joy in that he came to give peace. Peace which no one, no emperor, no earthly king could ever give. Peace with God, which is the most necessary peace of all, as one person highlights. Jesus came to deliver, to save his people, albeit not in the way that they anticipated or expected or hoped. Rather than a Messiah, a Savior who would come to overthrow the Romans and their rule, Jesus came to deliver and save, not through military conquest, but rather as a humble servant, which we see through his meek and humble birth. Jesus wasn't born with the fanfare of mankind, but rather with the fanfare of heaven. Not only did Jesus come to save and deliver, not through military conquest, but he came to save and deliver from an even greater enemy of God's people, our sin. Ever since mankind's fall into sin back in the Garden of Eden, we have been in rebellion against God, the one who created us. All the wrong that we do every day separates us from God, and yet God didn't just abandon us, but rather he pursued us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, that wonderful night. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to deliver us from our sin and rebellion, the one who lived our, a perfect life that we never could going humbly to the cruel cross to take the punishment that we so rightly deserve for our sin and our rebellion, the just wrath of God. Dying in our place so that for all who believe in him, we might not experience that wrath, that separation that we rightly deserved, but rather experience God's love, his mercy, his grace, 
that we might be restored to a right relationship with God through Christ's precious blood shed on the cross, having been clothed with Christ's righteousness, that we might have peace with God. And then three days later, he rose again from the dead. This, this is how the pronouncement made by the angel is good news of great joy. This, this is how Jesus is and provides our greatest joy. Through his coming, his living, his dying, his rising again from the dead and ascending back into heaven until he returns again. And yet the salvation, this redemption, isn't automatic. We need to determine how we are going to respond. We see the shepherds whom the angel brings this pronouncement to after hearing this good news end up making a decision. They respond by going without delay to Bethlehem to see this child, this infant, this Savior lying in a manger. And so we too, after hearing this good news, also must respond. We must respond to it. Some here or tuning in online maybe haven't heard this good news before. Maybe have heard it before but aren't quite sure what to do with it. If you are here this morning or tuning in, on, tuning in online and you don't know the Lord, he holds his free gift of grace purchased through his son's precious blood on the cross. Receive this greatest gift that you will ever receive, this joyous gift, the gift of eternal life. Repent of your sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him and submit your life to him, to his lordship. So Jesus Christ being and providing our greatest joy, how does this impact our lives as believers now in him? How are we now to live out of gratitude for what he has done for us on the cross, in his dying and then rising again from the grave? We need only take a look at the shepherds and their response to this most joyous news, this great news. They cannot keep their joy contained. As they return to their flocks later on, they are continuously praising and glorifying God, rejoicing in this good news. Not only that, we see them telling others what they have seen and heard from the angel as people marveled at what was told them. This good news has impacted their lives so much that they must now turn around and praise and glorify God, sharing this good news so that others might hear about it, about the Savior that has come to deliver his people the one who is Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we too have a great opportunity and privilege and blessing to also turn around and glorify our great God, our creator, our redeemer for what he has done for us. Especially this time of year as we remember and celebrate Christ's incarnation, his coming to earth and dwelling among us, his taking on our flesh. We have opportunity to rejoice in this joyous news of our Savior as we remember and celebrate his birth. Not only that, but each week we have the wonderful blessing to join together on the Lord's Day as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to remember the joy that he has given us through his shed blood on the cross, his dying in our place and then rising again from the dead as together we join to worship our Lord. And throughout it all, all the year long, whether it's Advent season or just a normal week, We proclaim to a watching world, a culture that peers in at us. We proclaim this gracious gift of God, this good news of great joy as we worship our Lord and Savior, praising him for what he has done, pointing a world that is hurting, filled with people who are broken, to the one whose gracious gift promises life. 
May the Lord strengthen and encourage us through the empowering work of his Holy Spirit in our lives to persist meeting together, to worship him each week, growing and building that desire, empowering us to grow in our walks with him as well as helping us to take an introspective look at our own hearts and lives to see if, true, if Jesus is truly our greatest joy. Also, in living out of gratitude for what God has done for us through the cross, we also can and should glorify God for the other good gifts that he has given to us. Like the other moments of joy that we mentioned before, we can thank and glorify God for those moments of celebration, celebrating Christmas with family, celebrating our wedding day, celebrating the birth of a child or a grandchild, and so many other gifts of every so many other moments of joy throughout our lives, giving him thanks and praise for these, not neglecting to thank him for the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. May God mold and shape us through the empowering and sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit more and more into a joyful and thankful people, his people who come to him in thanksgiving and praise, glorifying him for all that he has done for us, all that he does for us. Congregation of Beacon Light, there are a lot of moments of joy that we get to experience over the course of our lives. Whether it be opening presents, Christmas or Christmas Eve, celebrating with family, or our wedding day, celebrating with family and friends that joyous day of love, or the birth of a child or grandchild, welcoming this new life that God has created into the world, and so many others. All these moments of joy are wonderful, good gifts from God. But in our passage that we've taken a look at this morning, we see that those gifts pale in comparison to the greatest gift of joy that God has given us, has given to be proclaimed to the world. This good news of great joy, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh. We see in his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, this good news of the gospel of God's pursuing love through Jesus Christ, saving and atoning death on the cross for our sins. We have seen that this good news, it requires a response, and that we get to join and rejoice, and along with the shepherds, along with the church, with believers throughout every age, in glorifying and praising God continuously for what he has done for us, pointing the world to this good news as well. As we mentioned before, God's people had been waiting and longing and expectation and hope, looking forward to the Messiah's coming, his first coming. And now we stand between Christ's first and second coming. We too are waiting and longing and joyful longing and expectation and hope for when Christ shall return to set things right, when all will be made new. We wait in joyful anticipation of that great wedding feast of the Lamb, when we will get to worship, glorify, and praise our great God, face to face. The one who created us, the one who redeemed us, when we get to do that for all eternity. Until then, brothers and sisters, may we keep our eyes ever fixed on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we run this race. May the cry of our hearts be, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this day and we thank you for this blessing and privilege to be able to come to your word, to receive your word. Lord, 
We thank you for this good news of great joy, the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ. His death, his life, his death, his resurrection. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. Help us as we go out into our days and weeks ahead that we would live lives of gratitude, that our lives would show a watching world, point a watching world to you, to this good news of great joy, to this gift of life found only in your precious Son, Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you for all your many blessings to us, for all the moments of joy that you have given us to experience. We thank you for this greatest, this greatest gift of joy, your Son. We love you and thank you and praise you, Lord. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.